Once again, it's October, and once again, we celebrate Mission Month. Once again, no one knows. In part because it is so busy, there's so much going on. In, in Canada, we just had Thanksgiving, and we're thinking about Halloween, and in the church, there's a synod going on about the Amazon, and we just had canonizations, and who's thinking about missions? But do you know that last year, Pope Francis declared that October 2019 would be an extraordinary month of mission. Even though every October is the month of mission and the third Sunday of every October is Mission Sunday, this year we are in an extraordinary month of mission. Why? Because, just as we forget that it's Mission Month, we also forget that everything about the church should be mission. The church is mission. And we forget that we are all called to be missionaries. No, we are not all called to go off to Africa or Asia to evangelize, but we are all called to be missionaries. Right here, every single one of our parishes should be considered an outpost of the faith, of the good news. That's what we're being reminded of this month. Our role as Christians is not to go to Mass on Sundays and receive the sacraments. Our call is to go and make disciples of all nations. That's the Great Commission. We are baptized and sent. So, what are you waiting? Get out of the church building and go make disciples. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello and welcome to an all-new Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. I am Billy Chan. And I'm Allison Kenny. And here we are once again, guys. Uh, I'm going to do a special shout-out for people who are listening to us on the Catholic Channel. Okay. Uh, because most of the people are listening to this program on the Catholic Channel, on SiriusXM. You're probably driving. It's Saturday. Sit back, relax. Mm-hmm. Hopefully you have a full hour drive somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> um, otherwise, you're only going to hear part of the show. And uh, you're going to have to go home go online and, and go online yeah. and check it out on our website. Uh, what's the website? SouthernLightTV.com slash radio. Radio. And also people can subscribe to it on? On uh, Spotify, uh, iTunes. Um, and Podbean. Uh, everywhere, no, basically. Not Pod- yeah, We're not yeah. on Podbean yet. No, everywhere. we're not on Podbean. But Apple Music, Google Play, or Apple Podcasts, Google Play, yeah. Spotify, Roku. Anyway, and of course, on our website, saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Mm-hmm. On our show, uh, we continue with our usual format. Allison has the news. I do have the news. Do you want to give us a little uh, teaser? There were some canonizations in Rome. <laughs> some some canonizations. canonizations. Details about a special canonization that took place in Rome. That'll be with Allison in uh, about five minutes or so. And then afterwards, Jillian Cantor is going to be here. Jillian is a nice. parenting Jillian. expert. And Jillian always learns something from her kids. So she's going to be here to tell us uh, what she learned. We haven't actually spoken to her since July or so. Yeah. How many kids um, she, she have? I was going to say, she has a lot. She has six kids. Six kids. Yes. Six kids. Okay, so that's going to wow. be in about 10 minutes right after the news. Uh, Jillian Cantor is going to be here. And after that... Yes, I have a question. Church for Dummies. Yes, Great. I have a question Always about the church. Did I say enough? <laughs> okay, so Billy, Billy will have a question about the church. church. Um, uh, in about 15 minutes, Church for Dummies mm-hmm. with Billy. Um, this is going to be a tough question, guys. So what is your experience with shame? Mm. Shame. And I don't mean to yeah. put you on the spot. Not embarrassing, but shame. No, you're right. right. No, shame. So feeling shame, do you know what okay. that word refers to? Yeah, yeah, do you know how people talk about shaming? Yeah. Shaming each other. Oh, sh- oh, okay. You so in a negative about, way or know, in a positive I, way? I think shame is, is a always... a positive way too, right? 
I don't know. I would say that shame is always negative. but And okay. I would say that there's guilt, right? There's guilt, which is you feel oh, bad yeah, because right. you've done okay, something. And then there's shame, which is that you feel bad because you think you are that's, bad. It's not about an action. It's about an intrinsic quality yeah. so of shame, yourself. Shame is a feeling of... Uh, uh, they're lies, basically, uh-huh. about who you are. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's not that I made a mistake, but I am a mistake. Oh, um, okay. And I, So I think that that distinction between guilt and shame is very good. The reason I'm asking that is because I have this book here. Very um, colorful. This is a, a children's book called The Awfulizer. Uh, so cute. And it's, it's, it's very cute. It's written by Kristen Marr. Uh, she's written this book, and it's called The Awfulizer, Learning to Overcome the Shame Game. And it's a book to help uh, children... Um, overcome shame, yeah. feelings, so of, Im- feelings of shame. So important. Um, it is, and it's great because there's a little monster and he's the awfulizer. And oh. at the end, I won't tell you the ending, but this book, <laughs> I, I'm very excited. I'm gonna, this book comes with a cape. Wow. Yeah, you know it's a good book when it comes with a cape. Wow. With a cape. I'm, I'm going to put on this cape and, and take an Instagram photo later yes. so people can <laughs> see me with, with the cape. Anyway, yeah. so so Kristen Marr has written this book, The Awfulizer, Learning to Overcome the Shame Game. Um, so we're going we're gonna to be speaking with her at the end of the pro- – sorry, in our second half of the program. Um, should be a great conversation, especially I think for all the parents out there that maybe – are seeing some of these signs in their own children. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of adults that are still dealing with, with shame issues. So um, if you're not going to be listening to the program then because you arrived at your destination, remember <laughs> that you can just go to our website, saltandlighttv.org, and uh, look for the Salt and Light Hour to listen to our shows or subscribe to wherever you get your podcasts. Perfect. Um, at the end of the show, we're going to be talking to Sarah Hart. Mm. <laughs> yeah, you guys are. Mm. Sarah, <laughs> Sarah Hart is on this program at least once a year. Because um, she's just putting out albums all the time. So she has a new album. This one is called And Lovely It Is. And it is a collection of 11 songs of hope and joy, encouragement and love. I would say that it's so far, to my my opinion, Sarah's happiest collection so far. Wow. It's like the happiest, most fun, fun songs. She sings in French. Ooh, like French. How, fun to, how fun is that? En so, uh, oui, en français, <laughs> she oui. sings in French. Um, I'm going to not do the interview in French. <laughs> so, um, like I said, Sarah puts out a new album almost every year, so yeah. it's a great excuse wow. to catch up with her. Um, and again, if you're not going to be listening to the program in about 40 minutes, be sure to go to our website, saltandlighttv.org. Um, and to listen to the rest of this program and you can also listen to all these segments wherever you get your podcasts or on Roku um, write just, to us too yes oh Billy yeah. wants mm-hmm. us to wants you write to write to, to us Billy loves mail we are very very lonely so <laughs> so Billy how people can reach people you. can reach Billy at B. Joe Chan B. Joe Chan Allison at what channel do you want? My Twitter? Instagram? My Twitter? Twitter. My Twitter. Twitter is the Allison Kenny. Allison with two L's and a Y. The Allison Kenny. And I'm at Deacon Pedro. Uh, very easy. I think there's <laughs> only one Deacon Pedro out there. So that's yes. me. Um, uh, why don't we start with a song? Oh, yes, as, good. Always, <laughs> as, as always. As always. You don't always. need to ask it's me. Start with a song. Yeah. Song. Okay, Can we say so, no? <laughs> no, you can't. So here's Sarah Hart. Uh, Sarah Hart with Do No Harm from her newest album, And Lovely It Is. Leave the bird upon her nest Do not try to clip her wings Protect the little things, love That is best This world will tell you Take just what you want But you know a cage would only kill her song 
That was Sarah Hart with Do No Harm from her newest album, And Lovely It Is. And we're going to be speaking with Sarah Hart in about 30 minutes. But first, Alison is still here with our news. Hello, hello. Yes. So, well, you know, some happier news than last time. Yes. Some sad news as well. You know, it's always a mixed bag. Uh-huh. But the exciting thing was that on Sunday, we saw the canonization of five blesseds, including the most high-profile one, um, Cardinal John Henry Newman. Yes. So a lot of people really happy about that. Prince Charles. 
Charles went to mm-hmm. the ceremony, mm-hmm. which I thought was kind of interesting. And then he said, oh, well, Newman is such a seeker of the truth, and he always pursued the truth. And I'm going, but wait, you're the head of the Anglican yes. Church, and so was it's, that awkward for you? Awkward. And if Newman found the very truth... Interesting. Well, yeah, so anyways, I won't go down that rabbit hole. you see there was hole. a video? I didn't see the video, but Bishop Robert Barron talking to the prince. I think at least there no. was a photo. Oh, I didn't so see that. Well, too very, I want to know what you know, they talked about. Er, yeah, wow, because, yes. I mean, Prince Charles has lots of interesting interests, right? I guess like the head of the Church of England can't convert to Catholicism, can he? Uh, I think that might <laughs> cause a problem. I've heard, though, that he, when he becomes king, has said when he takes his his vow, he will become the defender of all faiths rather oh, than the defender of the faith. So oh. he's very all about inclusivity hmm. and interreligious yeah, oh, dialogue. Wow. So very cool. There we go. You know, so that's my, my big story. I mean, others were canonized as well, including yes. we talked about last week, um, Blessed Dul- Dulce, Dulce. Dulce, Dulce, Sister Dulce, who is like the, the uh, Mother Brazil. Teresa of oh, Brazil. Brazil. Yeah. So learning about her was very interesting. Other than that, you know, the um, the big story on everybody's minds, I think, lately is what's going on with Syria and yeah. the, the Kurdish people. The yeah. patriarch of um, the Syrian church mm-hmm. has, you know, called for peace and has called for help and has said that really the, the Christians of the Middle East have been neglected and abandoned by this world. So I think we really need to keep them all in that area of the world in our prayers, especially. Right. Yeah. You know, the mm-hmm. final story, too, that I have today is another sort of I- intriguing one. Um, intrigue is, yeah, the main word, which is that the Pope has accepted the resignation of the head of the Vatican police. Over this big uproar that took place with the leaking of a document saying that five people from the Vatican's um, bank and secretariat of state were being put on leave or had had sort of been taken out of their um, their work because of some potential issue. But the issue was not really divulged. There's some investigation ongoing. So he has been the fall man for that. So you'll see a lot of articles out there talking about scandal and if people are backstabbing others oh and gosh. this idea of, you know, the Vatican being a place with wow. intrigue and, and infighting kind of um, seems to have some merit in that case. So we will see what becomes of that. But this man, you know, was um, the head of the Vatican police for 20 years. Oh, my gosh. So it's a big, he has to take the fall, essentially, yeah. for somebody else leaking these documents. Yeah, wow, I had not heard of that story. Wow, you've you've intrigued me. Yes, and, you know, I was around him at the Senate, and he seemed like just a lovely yeah, man, sure very I'm hardworking, sure you know, and wow. very faithful. Okay. Well, so. I'm sure we'll hear more of that mm. uh, as it develops. Thank you, Alison. No problem, my pleasure. Alison Kenny, our Salt and Light News producer. You can follow her at the Alison Kenny. I am Leonardo DiPolippis, and you are listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. I'm Deacon Pedro. If you missed any part of this program or to listen to any interview again, just go to our website, saltandlighttv.org slash radio. All our programs are archived there. Now it's time for What I Learned from My Kids with Jillian Cantor. Jillian, welcome back to the program. Thank you so much. It's been way too long. I know, and it always feels like I should be saying, like, did you have a good summer? But we're already almost at (laughs) Halloween. So I hope you had a good summer and a good beginning of the fall season and a good Thanksgiving because we're in Canada, all the holidays. And you've learned something. You're you're there with Leo, right? (laughs) I am. So I thought I might just pass it over to Leo this time and let him do the talking. (laughs) Okay. Leo? No, he says no. He's no. shy today. He's busy. Um, yeah, so I would have to say probably the thing that's more... Uh, it's been highlighted in the last couple of weeks, but I can see even over the summer the message coming clear. 
um, is the idea that God keeps his promises. Uh-huh. Um, and it's not something that I heard from one particular kid, um, but just from their their being here <laughs> is how uh-huh. I recognize that God is faithful to his promises. Um, and I guess uh, the story really starts back in 2001. We'll do a little bit of a flashback to um, young Jillian, who had just finished um, college and university, and I started um, working for a children's magazine. Yeah. Um, and I was in Toronto, and I had my own apartment. Um, and yeah, I was I was enjoying my life. I loved my work. Um, World Youth Day was coming to Toronto, so I was volunteering for World Youth Day. I met a bunch of people through there. Life was really good, and I was young and carefree, and all those um, wonderful <laughs> things. Um, and I remember um, at the time living on the east side of the Tor- of Toronto, and oftentimes in the evenings or spare time or weekends or whatever, I would just walk down to the beaches um, and just kind of walk along the water or sit on the beach and think. And um, I remember a very specific occasion where um, just sitting on the water's edge, feeling probably pretty melancholic because that's just what happens in that environment. Yeah. <laughs> you start thinking about life, looking out on the waters. And seeing um, other people out there, especially families and young couples together, and thinking, yeah. "Huh, I wonder, wonder if that'll ever happen for me." Hmm. I, I, there, I mean, there were no prospects at the time, and I just couldn't imagine really what life would be like, um, married or with kids, um, and maybe even just doubting that that was ever really part of my plan. Just not sure where I was headed in mm-hmm. that area. Like enjoying my work, but yeah. uh, on the personal side of things, just no clue what was it, what was going to happen. So that's the end of the flashback. So now the wavy lines come back, and here we are. We're back to present day. Yeah. Um, about a week ago, the kids had a PA day, and David was able to take the day off work. <clears throat> and so we enjoyed um, a day trip north of Toronto um, uh, near the uh, near Blue Mountain, where uh-huh. the colors are beautiful and yes. scenery is gorgeous. Um, and then we ended the day just going to the shore of Georgian Bay. And as soon as I don't know, as soon as you mix my kids in rocks and water, it just becomes a throwing fest of rocks in the water. Yeah. So I was just sitting on the shore edge with Leo, looking out, watching those five other kids running around with David, throwing rocks in the water. And even though I had not thought of that moment in a very long time, or even, yeah, it just never really stuck with me, that memory of me sitting by myself on the beach in Toronto came to me, and that idea of, I had no idea back then what was ahead of me, but as I looked around, I was not alone. I was not lonely. I was not, whatever it was that I maybe had been feeling at that moment back in 2001, um, whatever fears I might have had for God's plans for me, that all just went away. And I could see visibly that God keeps his promises. Mm-hmm. It maybe wasn't even a promise that I knew he had made with me or that I had heard him make. It was just this confidence that he would take care of me and that he had a plan for me, and this is what that plan was. Like, I'm not alone. <laughs> I'm not lonely. These people are always running around me, yeah. making a lot of noise. Yes. Um, but also getting to the age where we can have conversations and we yes. just enjoy spending time together in those instances. I mean, there's their fair share of, of fights and ridiculous behavior that's frustrating and aggravating. <laughs> but here I am, not that 20-something single person who's wandering alone on a beach anymore. I mean, sometimes it sounds 
desirable <laughs> when yes. I'm particularly tired and I just want some alone time. Yes. But in that moment when I was so sad and afraid for what lay ahead of me, um, I had no idea mm-hmm. what joy mm-hmm. um, was was in front that lay in front of me. Um, mm-hmm. and God kept His promises. I know. Wonderful. Now, one of the reasons why I find that such um, the timing of this message significant is because, um, as moms, I think often do, we can start questioning our value and our worth. Um, what are we contributing to society? For me, it came in the form of um, what could or should I be doing to contribute to the family income? Do I need to get a job? How can I help? Um, even the idea of what's happening to my career. I haven't worked in a long time. By the time the kids are grown, mm-hmm. the whole industry will have changed and will I have a place in it anymore? And that is a genuine fear that was, has been sitting with me for quite some time. Um, and so hearing or remembering this message that God keeps his promises and look what he's delivered to me, this beautiful family, has really helped me, I think, stress out a little bit less about that idea of what, yeah. could, I sh- or what could or should I also be doing. Yeah. I mean, he's fulfilled a promise. Let me live in that promise for a while instead of fretting about what comes next. Um, and just remains faithful that God will keep those promises too, that yes. when kids are grown and that when I feel like it's time to return to a career, that there will be opportunities that I can trust in God's faithfulness right. to those other promises yeah. that he's making and, and planning out for me. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. it's really just about his plan and living in it and embracing it and trusting in it. Yeah, it is. And it's in those, we, we, I think, unfortunately, we have to get to a certain age that we can have that foresight looking back and you see how God has been working in your life when you can accept that God is going to continue working in your life. Yeah. So that's good. Good. It's, Welcome. There's nothing finite about his promise. No, it, like, no, okay, it well, isn't. Okay, well, I delivered on the kid front. You've got some. No. Best of luck for the rest. And it might not be... <laughs> going. It, it, there's more. Yeah, there's more. And it might not be a career, going back to a career. It might be something else. Who knows? Yeah. Um, Who knows? There you go. Welcome to adulthood. I know. <laughs> this is a big moment. <laughs> big moment for Jillian Cantor. Well, thank you for sharing that, and I'm glad your kids helped you realize that. Jillian Cantor is the producer of the Salt and Light TV program Mothering Full of Grace, the writer of A Woman's Voice, and she is the wife of David, the mother of Joseph, Henry, Annie, Clara, Jane, and that was Leo. Hi, this is Lorraine Hess, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. Do you know that you can also listen to all our Salt and Light Hour segments on Roku? Just look for Salt and Light TV and then select Radio. And now it's time for Church for Dummies with Billy Chan. You're way too excited. I'm very excited because I have a really good question and you have no answer for it. Yeah, and you have no answer for it. No, well, I have an, an idea. Kind of, right? Kind okay, of. Okay, well, yeah. Okay, let's, let's ask the question first, okay? Yeah. Recently, I play a, a video games. Okay. And the video games is about building uh, rooms. So basically, okay. if I need to build a bedroom, there must be something inside the room. For example, a bed uh-huh. and the basic lights. Yeah. Uh, for example, toilet. You know, you need to have some something some inside. To make okay. It a toilet, yes. So now the question will be, what's a church? So is there anything like uh, a must-have to call the building a church? Yes. Yes, I think so because because of the function of the building. Yes. So all I'm going to say is, um, 
I looked at I looked at the because I think it should be in canon law, and canon law does talk about certain things that are required uh, in that that need to be done a certain way when you're building the church. Um, there are also some documents like like the general instruction on the Roman Missal that talks about liturgy. Mm-hmm. So some some things that are required for liturgy and like Sacrosanctum Concilium, which is a document from the Vatican Second Vatican Council that talks about liturgy. Okay. So so I think that that's the first thing to remember that when you're building a church, you need to understand that it's being used for liturgy. Okay. So before this, yes. before you continue, okay, yes. we are talking about church, right? Not a chapel, uh, not okay. a basilica, not a no, cathedral, and not oh, an oratory. Look, you did your research. <laughs> Too. So if you look at canon law, in yes. fact, it's, there are there are the, it, those are the sections. Okay. The church, and then there's regulations for a chapel, for an oratory, yeah. for a shrine, and oh, a, shrine too. Maybe basilica and shrine are yes. the same. Um, but essentially, those are those are things that like what like like what church can be designated a shrine. There are some some things. And, and it really only says that something like the bishop has to do whatever or whatever, whatever. Like, for example, it'll say that a church, the altar has to be consecrated or dedicated. But it doesn't necessarily tell you, I mean, I what guess... In, what has to be inside. Not necessarily. Although okay. we know that there has to be an altar. Okay. And then yeah. because that's the main that's the the, the main, main area the main, that we the main function and I hate to say function but that's the main that right the, yes the, you you're need right. to have an altar it's our mission right I can say that however canon law will say and so so does the general instruction will say uh-huh. that that altar should be made should be fixed so it should be made from stone and it should be attached to the floor oh, like it should not I be cannot have a movable table you can so okay. this is where it gets confusing <laughs> it says that it should be fixed okay but it can be movable okay and i think that's just to give people because in some places so like you're like right now we're having the synod on the amazon let's say you're in the amazon you don't have access to a big slab of marble or rock that you can do the altar and attach it to the floor right so so it's giving allowances for, for certain certain circumstances but in but in general if you can, the altar should be fixed, and it should be of stone. Okay. In the same way that it should, it should be like stone, as opposed to a wooden altar. Okay. I've seen wooden altars. Yeah, yeah, me too. Or just any table, like a dining room table. Yeah, I um, saw that too. Um, like the idea of of a relic having to be in the altar. Oh yeah. That tradition is encouraged, but I think that it's not necessary. If for some reason there cannot be a relic, the altar needs to be consecrated, and and the consecration ceremony that is very strict. There are very strict stipulations as to how uh, that consecration ceremony. So we know you need to have an altar. You know you need to have a place where the presider sits. Yeah, yeah. You need to have a place where the word is proclaimed. So okay, the, the ambo, podium. The podium or the ambo. Mm-hmm. Ambo. Um, you need to have uh, a place where you uh, where we repose the blessed sacrament. You forgot something. And you need to have a place where the people to sit. And it has to be and covered. What has to be covered? It has to be inside. So, oh, so, yes. So we cannot have an open right. roof okay. Uh, uh, yeah, okay. church, so you, right? Why? Tell me why, Billy. No, it's because of why? something that is covered uh, is, is more precious. Yes. We said that before, we said right? That before, we, yeah. we had a, a previous Sunday night. No, uh, a church, a church, church for, dummies. for dummies. Episode. We said that. Yes, we said That's so. Right. So we cover things that are sacred. Yeah. yeah. So the building has to be covered. How about tabernacle? The tabernacle is usually covered. Mm. That's oh, what yeah, I said. Right. So you have yeah, to have yeah, a yeah. tabernacle. So oh, yeah, that's yeah. where. Although I mean, there are some churches where the the tabernacle is not in the sanctuary. Although some people mm. will say that it ha- should be there, but it's still in the building. You have to have somewhere to put the blessed sacrament. You have to have to pl- have a place where the word is proclaimed. You have to have a place for the people to sit. 
some ple- some some documents will say that you even have to have a place for musicians because oh. you need music and liturgy, <laughs> yeah. right? So there's some obvious things that are needed, and then the bishop has to say yes, we need a church in order to build it, and the bishop has to consecrate the first stone, and I think the bishop there has to be a cross there from the as soon as they put a in cross, the first yes. stone. Yes. And how about Bible? Uh, I don't. Well, you need a uh, no. I yeah. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Okay, so here's where you So people who are listening uh, right now at Church for Dummies, we, we're actually appealing to you because maybe some of you have actually been involved in the building of a new, a new church building uh-huh. or a rededication or a renovation, and you might have some information that we don't know. Uh, so write to Billy at B. Joe Chan. Uh, write to me. Yeah, or write to me at Deacon Pedro, and uh, we can uh, try to find out more information about this so uh thank, thank you. you thank you good question <laughs> billy chan our uh our uh webmaster here at salt and light uh, as i said you can follow him at b joe chan coming up in our second half hour a conversation about shame with author Kristen marr and a featured chat with sarah hart so don't go anywhere Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. For some of you, the word shame may not mean much, but for many, many others, shame is all-consuming. We use terms like body shaming or fat shaming, and sadly, shame is not something that just adults deal with. It is very real for children, too. With her book, The Awfulizer, author Kristen Marr hopes to help children identify feelings of shame and give them the tools to fight back against these negative emotions. And to tell us more, I am now joined by Kristen Marr. Kristen, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here. Um, I, I know that a lot of people probably have experiences with shame and know what that word means, but I know that there are people who, who, who that concept is very foreign um, and even they might be struggling with those emotions, but they don't know what it is. Can we start off by defining shame? What is shame, Kristen? Yes. I feel like a lot of times people confuse guilt with shame. Uh-huh. And they're like, well, isn't a little bit of shame good for you? Uh-huh. And I would say a little bit of guilt is good for you, but a little bit of shame can be terrible. Um, guilt is when hmm. you would feel you do an action that's wrong, and then you realize, oh, I did something wrong. I need to correct this behavior and move forward. Right. Shame is when you do an action wrong and you go, I did that because I'm bad and I'm broken on the inside. And even if I correct this behavior, I'm still broken on the inside. So you can't move past it because you you kind of feel helpless and trapped because you're like, even if I change this thing, I'm still bad. I'm still broken. Right. So you would say that shame is... Is it an emotion? Is it or a feeling that that makes us believe certain lies about ourselves? I I consider it an emotion that makes yeah. you believe certain lies. Yes. Yeah. So who 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 is the awfulizer? The awfulizer is a characterization of our shame. Mm-hmm. I thought for kids and honestly for adults as well. Sometimes yeah. it's better if you have a visual of something versus just trying to come to deals with something as abstract as an emotion. But mm-hmm. if I say this little monster's in my head and he's telling me horrible things about myself. Sometimes that's easier for kid to understand. Right. And it's the, because he makes you feel awful about yourself. Is that? Yeah. Yeah. 
And does he... Um, sorry, go oh, ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, does, does this little monster... You said it's like a, it's like a having a monster inside your head. Does he just appear out of nowhere, or do do certain things have to happen in a person's life that that begin those those words or those voices inside that that are t- giving us these messages? I feel personally that no matter how idyllic your life or childhood is, there was definitely probably some shaming moment where you felt bad about yourself more so than you felt bad about an action. Mm-hmm. So I don't think anyone's really immune to shame. Mm-hmm. I do think some of us are better equipped to ignore that voice or to move past that voice. And some of us are more likely to listen to that voice and let it grow louder and louder in our lives. I unfortunately listened a lot to that voice as a child due to circumstances growing up. Right. That made me a little more vulnerable to it. Mm-hmm. And... So for me, it became the dominant voice in my head for a really long time. Because I would have, I would have thought that that would be the more common experience where you have someone that is shaming you or, or verbalizing certain messages. You are, you're fat or you're stupid or you're no good or get out of my way. And if a child continues to listen to those messages, of course, they're going to feel a certain way about who they are. But if a child is not listening to those messages, can someone still fall into, into those shame, the, the, the shame trap, if I can call it that. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, just go on the internet and you're going to get someone to shame you in pretty right. much five minutes of being on yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, And so we're all getting the either external or internal voices, and the book really is trying to help people come up with tools so mm-hmm. that you don't have to let those voices get louder. You can hear that voice, recognize it, and move yeah, in the voice in the past. Yeah, and it, and in the book, uh, James, the main character, he's he's what ten years old, and he uh, yeah. he's he begins to hear these. He sees the monster that appears. The monster is telling him things that make him feel a certain way, and all he really has to do is go tell someone. He tells his parents, and then his parents right. can help him through it. Um, you're a parent, you have three children. Is it, yes. is that your experience? Like what are some, some things or, you know, I'm sure that there are parents listening right now that maybe can think, Oh, I should be doing things differently. Or how can I help my children through this experience? What has been your experience with your kids helping them through some of these feelings? Well, for me, what I recognized was a lot of shame talk from my eldest child. And that. It sounds silly, but when your kid is saying, I'm the worst, I'm terrible, I'm never going to get this, Mm -hmm. it can be innocent, but also the more they say that, speak those words over themselves, the Mm -hmm. more they start to believe it. Mm -hmm. So it's interjecting right then and being like, no, that's your awfulizer talking. Okay. You're not awful. You're not the worst. We can learn in just however you want to encourage them or motivate them, but making sure they stop saying those words over themselves is the first step, I think. Right. So this whole thing about, but people talk about bullying all the time nowadays in a way that, I mean, when I was young, I'm sure when you were young, same thing, mm-hmm. nobody nobody talked about bullying. We all probably were bullied, but we just kind of dealt with it. Um, yeah. Is it, Would you say that that's the main problem with bullying, that it's the people shaming each other? I mean, honestly, I feel like bullies, are actually externalizing their shame voice. Because, so yeah, yes. Mostly the bullies are the ones who are the most wounded, and so they're speaking out right. 
any way they know how to try and make themselves feel better. Right. It's creating a vicious cycle. So then the next person has to share their shame with somebody to try and feel better. And it just keeps going downward, downward, downward. Right. Um, I don't think it's always necessarily bullies. Sometimes someone could be saying something to you to try and be helpful, uh-huh. but it might just trigger an attack in the sense that, I mean, someone might be in my book, James gets in trouble for doing something mm-hmm. he really shouldn't have been doing. He was talking in class and the teacher called him out, but the right. kid's reaction to him getting in trouble just started him to question himself like, Oh, am I a bad kid? Right. Does this make me a bad person? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And an adult should be able to discern, make a different distinction between what people are saying, but maybe a child is not able to make those distinctions. Yes. Do you see, um, what would the connection with mental health be? Do you see that there's a connection between these shame feelings and mental health issues? I think there's probably a huge connection between mental health and shame feelings. I think for me, when my shame was at the most, I definitely experienced a lot of depression. Uh-huh. Um, sometimes people go to unhealthy outlets when they're feeling a lot of shame, um, binge drinking, cutting, mm-hmm. uh, different things like that. They're trying to release this pain or express this pain. And it, a lot of times it comes out in really unhealthy ways. Right. Um, do you think, and just because our audience, this is a, you know, a Christian program. We have people, Catholics mm-hmm. in the Catholic channel listening to this program, um, do you think that having faith, I mean, I'm not going to say that it makes us immune to it, but it can help us heal, that there's something about our Christian faith that can help us heal because of those intrinsic messages that we are valued by God as God, you know, yeah. made in God's image? A hundred percent. I do think that. I do know at the epitome of my like deepest shame when I was at my bottom, Mentally, I understood that Jesus loved me and he had forgiven me for all my sins. But in my heart, I had a hard time forgiving myself. Yeah. So I almost feel like without really releasing yourself of the shame, you can't experience the fullness that faith offers. Mm-hmm. And I do think, especially in like the Catholic religion, there's a lot of ways to get help with that problem right? Um, by the very nature of the sacraments. Yeah. But um, sometimes you need a little extra. Sometimes you need to speak to a counselor or a yeah. therapist. Yeah. And then, and then you can see I am, I am whole and I am worthy because I am God's and the fullness of that can really hit you yeah. in a different way. At least for me, it did. No, I think you're right. And that's a very good uh, message because we can't, I mean, the church, our faith helps us, and I think it's necessary, but we can't necessarily find all the healing inside, you know, it's not like if I, if, if I, if I break my arm, I'm not going to go to church to get my arm fixed. I need to go to the hospital. Um, so, so if people that are listening maybe are, are having these feelings, which are lies, and I think that's very important to mention, to repeat, actually, that they're lies. We're not, we might make a mistake, but that doesn't mean that we are mistakes. And uh, if people are struggling with these voices or these feelings, they should tell someone and go and get help. Um, It sounds, it sounds like it's such a depressing book, but it actually isn't. 
Um, it's such a hope. I know. I'm sorry, Kristen, but but it is. An, I, I mean, it's a, it's a lovely book with lovely illustrations um, uh, that I hope you know. We're going to put the website on so that people can find it through the uh, um, um, the National sorry. Thank you, thank you. The National Center for Youth Issues. Um, this is the first uh, book in a series. Um, from the National Center for Youth Issues. So there, there's other other books there that might be very useful for parents. And it's a great way and fun way, actually. Um, and yeah. if, I, if I can say the awfulizer, he's, he's, he's a monster, but he's kind of funny looking and, and not cute and fluffy, but because we want to get rid of him. Um, yes. And at the end, can we give away the ending? That's, I think that's the best part. We should always give away the ending. Tell me the ending then. Then James becomes the awesomeizer and learns how to make the awfulizer disappear. Yes. And for me, the best part is that the book comes with, can I say that? Can I say it? Well, that's, that's coming up on my website. I haven't finalized that yet. I don't think National Center for Youth Issue does it, but I will be selling the awesomeizer capes that go with the book so that your child can also become the awesomeizer. Okay. I might, for people that are following me on Instagram, I might just put on the cape. And, uh, I think you and take a picture and see if that'll encourage people <laughs> to not only can you get the book, but you can like wear the cape and run around and be awesome and awesomeize That's people right. as in your daily living. Kristen, it's been so good uh, meeting you over the phone and uh, talking to you about this very important issue. Thank you very much. Kristen Marr is a speaker, advocate, writer, and a mother of three. Her book, The Awfulizer, Learning to Overcome the Shame Game, is the first book in the new Truth Teller series from the National Center for Youth Issues. You can learn more at their website, ncyi.org. I'm going to put that on our site so you can find it easily at saltandlighttv.org. And you can listen to the full interview if you missed it at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Coming up is our featured artist of the week, Sarah Hart. So here she is with Far or Near from her new album, And Lovely It Is. Love, what is a thousand miles Between hearts that have been tethered I've been with you all the while And will be Breathing for where you are, I am. 
That was Sarah Hart with Far or Near from her album And Lovely It Is. I don't think I need to introduce you to Sarah Hart. She comes on this program at least once a year, and that's because she's such a prolific songwriter, putting out a new album almost every year. Actually, I think pretty much every year. This year, she's released And Lovely It Is, a charming and fun album that we've been listening to. It is by far Sarah's happiest collection, 11 songs of hope and joy, encouragement and love. And to tell us more, uh, Sarah Hart joins me now. Sarah, welcome back to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you, my friend. How have you been? I'm so good, so good. I was, we were, Sarah and I were joking before we went on the air that that we only get to. I'm glad that she writes, puts out an album once a year because I get to talk to her <laughs> once a year, <laughs> once a year, <laughs> at least once a year. And then she reminds me that I just need to go down to Nashville and then I can see her more often. But pff, absolutely, she can or come I to Canada. To yeah, you need to come up to Toronto. Um, yep. Tell me something. So, um, I, I, and I think this this goes with with the idea that you're putting out so much music. And I know that this is what you do for a living. So I know you're songwriting all the time. But putting uh, putting an album together is not the same thing as just writing a whole bunch of songs, right? So what? It, no. How do you get to the point where you say, okay, I'm going to do a new album? Because I know you crowdfunded this one. So did you think yes. I'm going to do a fun, happy album? And uh, or did you already have the songs? What was that process for you? So some of the songs I did already have. Um, there were about five that I'd written maybe within the last three years. Yeah. And, you know, I think when, when you're thinking about doing another recording, like I tend to try to let it happen organically so that I'm sort of looking at the body of work that I've been writing in the past year and just sort of saying, what is the common theme or what is something that might that might be good to release? Uh-huh. And these five songs were just like really sort of fun, happy, lighthearted, loving songs I've written for family and friends, yeah. feel good things. And I thought, you know, why don't I do that? Because I think we're in a time, especially in the States, you know, and there's a lot of struggle and a lot of sadness and a lot of, yeah. I would say, depression and yeah. people are anxious and angry with one another. And so it sort of felt timely to put out an album about love and joy and so that's kind of what I did. And I just sort of filled in the blanks against the songs that um, right. I already have. So far or near the song you just heard, yeah. I think that may have been the last or the second to last song that was written for, oh, really? um, for the recording. Yeah, yeah. Such a beautiful song. Thank you. I don't I even know. for my daughter when she I was won- going away. I wondered because, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Because um, mm-hmm. it's such a beautiful song, and I don't know if it, it makes me happy or if it makes me sad. Maybe both, and that's good, I guess. Yeah. Well, I, I started out sort of writing it about how much I travel, because I, I travel a lot, yeah. you know. And so I start, started writing it about that and how, you know, letting the girls know that when I'm gone, we're not really far apart. We're together because we're, you know, tethered to each other by this invisible string tied yeah. to each of our hearts. And so... We are together always, even though we're we're physically separated. But then when my daughter was like, "Hey, mom, I'm I'm gonna go work at Walt Disney World," I was like, "Oh, okay." And then it became so, a whole different thing, and yeah, I had to get used to the fact real, that yeah. she's far. You know, yeah. and that's, it's a weird time of life. It's a weird time of life. It is. It is, and we all go through it. Um, oh yes. It's interesting that you're so. Uh, we just just spoke to Kristen Marr. I don't know if you know. So she just put out a children's book. Oh yeah, uh, overcoming yeah. the shame game, the awfulizer, and yes, 
and I, and I think that goes to what you were saying that there's so much mental health, so many he- mental health issues and bullying and anxiety and mm-hmm. people dealing with shame, which is why Kristen yes. wrote that book. But that your response, and so was Kristen's, right? To write a book that's encouraging, that's fun, that's for kids, yeah. and you're doing this album that that really is just like completely the opposite of. Um, of where so many people are and I don't know why people don't see the beauty and the happiness and the joy of everything in life. Um, Why did you decide to call it and, and, and I struggle with this title all the time and (laughs) lovely. Thank you for laughing. And lovely. It is. Why did you call it that? And lovely. It is. Well, there's a song, there's a song with the lyric in it and it says, you have your own mind, darling and lovely. It is. So that's the the lyric that it's based on, but uh, it was sort of a, I wanted people to perceive it as a dot, 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 and lovely it is. And uh-huh. I know that's a strange thing, but the concept being you could put what what you perceive before those four words, life, and lovely it is, mm. children, and lovely it is, marriage, and lovely it is. You know, so there's so many things in life that are just really beautiful. Like, right. yeah, it's a hard world, and there's stuff here, but God has given us so much beauty and loveliness and things to celebrate on a daily basis. And so I kind of wanted to leave that concept of what is lovely in your life up to somebody's own perception, which is why I left that title kind of very just open, you know. No, and you're right. It's good. And that explains the and because I thought, why isn't it just called lovely it is? But Mm -hmm. I, I, I get it. I get it. I get it. And you said that each song or a lot of the songs were written for a particular family member or a friend? Oh yes, yeah. so all sorts of different, um, all sorts of different songs for different things that were happening or different situations we okay. found ourselves in. Yeah. Um, so just kind of depends on the song. <laughs> yeah. Well, you said far and near. You wrote for your daughter. Yes, um, both of them actually, but but really, yeah. it ended up being so much about about my oldest because she was and leaving. Leaving. And, whew, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I do. I'm, I was going to say, I'm hoping that you wrote that for your husband. Or, or uh, yeah. I was thinking your French boyfriend, because then you start speaking in French, and it's like, who is she <laughs> I doing to someone in French? <laughs> you know, it's so funny because I, I'm actually okay. Here's my thing: I'm really pretty good with languages. <laughs> I can do the accents, but I can't retain the information. So, okay. like, if you put it in front of me on a page, I'm very good at. at foreign accent yeah, yeah, yeah so i love french and i've always loved the french language and i took it for two years in high school and yeah you know there were just a couple times on the record it seemed like french was the thing to fall into that's um, so and funny. this is one of those times it's just a very romantic language you know and so um i have a, a good friend that speaks french and i was like can you help me translate this thing so she did and uh that's what came out you that's know? hilarious so, that it is because yeah. you're right it's like you're telling people like i do i do i do love you and the next thing you know you're right. speaking french because <laughs> that's what happens well, what's so, and what's so funny about it there's this line um baby tu prends la gâteau which is uh baby you take the cake of course you know yes, you pr- yes. and when, when she translated for me she's like what is this <laughs> it's like, it makes no sense. It makes I'm like, no well, sense. it's just a, it's an English cliche. Like, hey, baby, you take the cake, and she's like, it has no no meaning in mean? French. I know <laughs> that's it. Nobody so, in the France is going to buy your album now. <laughs> I know. She's like, I will write it, but it is not sense. It is nonsense. <laughs> that's funny, but but then you have a whole song in French. I mean, c'est la vie. The whole song is in French. Yeah, pretty much, almost the whole song. Yeah, and that one came 
very easily. That's one of those that, like, yeah. I think I was just having a bad day, and I'm, I just started singing Say La Vie in my kitchen, and then I'm like, oh, I got to go write that down. So it was one of those. It but, is, and it's just fun. You know. There was something about, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I was listening to a lot of it, and, and there's something very musical theater about this album as well. Yeah. Is that just me? No, I grew up on musical theater, and I love musical theater, and I, yes, I love musicals. I feel like growing up in my house was like growing up inside of a musical because people were <laughs> always breaking out into song, yeah. and I do the same thing. And so many times the songs, a lot of the songs on this record actually are just me opening my mouth yeah. and singing, and then I'm like, oh, that's actually pretty good. Let me go write that down. Yeah. So. <laughs> How fun That's it is. That's why it may feel like a musical. Yeah, it is. And I don't know. I, like, we started the show playing uh, Do No Harm, which is not the most fun song, but it's a great message. Um, and you. we just heard Far or Near. And we're going to end the show with Amazing, that I that I think is like such a great sh- uh, song to end with. Um, so maybe people are not going to get the full fullness of the funness of this album from listening to this program. So I do encourage people to go to Sarah's website, sarahart.com. Um, it's on iTunes. It's on uh, probably er- anywhere where you get your music. Spotify, where I don't know where Sarah you put your music. Um, everywhere. Everywhere. So you can listen to because so, "C'est la vie" is such a fun song, and there's so many other fun tracks here that you just want to grab your honey and dance in the kitchen um, yes. while you're and making fondue. Actually, <laughs> yes, and if if it's interest anybody, um, I have a Spotify playlist under my artist playlist. Okay, called "And Lovely It Is." So it's all the songs on my record, but a lot of songs that I love that sound like this record that sort of inform me in the writing and choosing of these songs. So, uh, you know, stuff by Pink Martini and Michael Buble and just a whole bunch of other things mixed in with with my recording. Okay, So check that out as well. Perfect. There you go. So look up Sarah Hart uh, on spot. When you're looking for your Salt and Light Hour subscription on Spotify, look up Sarah Hart (laughs) and and, uh, listen to her playlists uh, because she probably has good taste in music. I would say Sarah probably has <laughs> so 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 good taste in music anyway Sarah we're going to leave it there um, love the music as always uh, thank you for uh, thank, you. thank you for writing more music so that you can come talk to me on this show and uh, <laughs> and I'm sure okay I'm putting it on my on my list of making it down to Nashville at some point uh, for a barbecue please I will. that would be so wonderful right, I would ma- just love to see you maybe yeah. I can crowdfund it People send me money so I can go to Nashville. <laughs> Why not? Everybody does. Yeah, it's exactly. The way exactly. to go. <laughs> anyway, thank you. Have a great, great rest of the week and a great rest thank of the year, you, I guess. Thank you, my brother. God bless. All right. God bless you. Talk soon. Bye. That was Sarah Hart. You can learn more about Sarah Hart and her music at her website, sarahhart.com. And to listen to the full interview or any part of this program, go to saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Here now is Sarah Hart with Amazing from her newest album, And Lovely It Is. Don't let anybody tell you you're not amazing. Because you are amazing. And that's why I love you.
We're listening to our featured artist of the week, Sarah Hart, with Amazing from her album, And Lovely It Is. And that will bring us to the end of the program. For those of you listening to us on the Catholic Channel on Sirius XM, hope you have a great rest of the day. If you missed any part of this program, remember that you can stream or podcast all our Salt and Light Hour programs at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. You can also listen to this show on Roku and find it on the Google Music Store, on Apple Podcasts, and on Spotify. So no excuses for not listening to the show. Just look for the Salt and Light Hour Catholic Podcast. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Deacon Pedro. Send me your comments. Always love to hear from you. Thank you for being with us today. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been the Salt and Light Hour.